This is week 13 in this series, How to Win Every Faith Battle. We're taking our time because there's some gigantic principles in the Word of God that tell you exactly how to walk by faith, how to live by faith, how to possess through faith everything that God has given to you by His grace. God has a great plan for your life. It's a plan that's it's so great you can't see it. You can't think and figure it out with your mind. It takes the Word of God, the light that comes from the Word, to show it to you. We talked about principle number one. I know you know what this is, but it's know your enemy. Know how he operates, right? Principle number two Once you know that, you realize that the battle is in your mind, that Satan has been stripped of his power, and what he will do is throw thoughts at you, create circumstances, use people to try to get you to let go and not believe what God says he's already given you. Right? We know that's how he comes. So we step number two, or principle number two, we secure the word of God. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We understand this is a word planet. This planet was created by God's word. Everything the Bible says that we see was created by a greater realm, the spirit realm. It was created by the word of God. So this is why life and death is in the power of our tongue, right? This is why from numbers, well actually from Genesis to maps, All through the Bible, you see this. You will have what you say, right? God deals with us on the basis of his word and on the basis of our word. He can't violate our will, so now we secure the word of God. If we're dealing with sickness in our body, which has no legal right, what we do is we look in the word of God, we see that, wait a minute, according to Galatians 3, Christ redeemed me, he purchased me out of the curse of the law, which includes all sickness and disease. And he put me over here and he redeemed me from the curse because he was made a curse so that now I can walk free from it. So now I could say, according, it is written, according to Galatians chapter three, I have been redeemed from all sickness and all disease. It is written, Satan, because see, he'll come questioning you. Anytime you're believing God for anything, he's going to come questioning And nothing that you can say in your own will keep him from questioning. If you're not saying it is written, he's going to be throwing more thoughts at you. Because it's like, oh, this is cool. This person's not standing on anything. They're standing on a feeling. But no, when you stand and you say, no, Satan, Jesus was made a curse for me. And he redeemed me from the curse of arthritis. So therefore, you arthritis... I know you have ears, I know you can hear me, and in the name of Jesus, I now command you to leave my body. I am not allowing you in my body. Right? It is written, Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain, so I'm done with this. I will not allow it. You have to leave. Satan, I bind you, for it is written. Right? Whatever I bind on this earth, will be bound in heaven. That means God will see to it that it's bound. Right? If it's finances, I'm not going to worry. 
I'm going to get the word of God. And once I knew, once I know the word of God on a subject, I know God's will. So now what I do is I meditate on those scriptures and I renew my mind to them so that when he comes, now I speak them. I keep speaking the word and speaking the word. And now, you know, when doubt and fear try to come, I tell it to leave. How do I tell it to leave? Well, I'm speaking the word. Satan wants nothing to do with the word of God because God's presence, God's power is in his word. You and I are non-issues to him. All he's trying to do by throwing thoughts, he wants to separate you from faith. He wants to shut your mouth to speaking the word of God because if he can't do that, he's done. See, he already knows he's been done, but he wants to, you know, it, he's really done because he won't be able to keep anything that God has for you out of your life now. And I got to tell you, listen, getting, getting debt free is not God's best. God's best is living in abundance where you never have to borrow money, right? Because you have it. Divine healing is not God's best. God wants you healed, but he wants you to walk in divine health and divine strength, divine life. He's provided it, but we have to, we have to know how our enemy operates. He's going to come against our mind, and we have to secure the word of God. We have to meditate in it. Let the Holy Spirit bring revelation to our hearts so that now it's like fire in my bones. It's, it's, it's just so alive to me. So when he comes with anything... It's, I can't, I don't see circumstances because all I could see is the light of God's word. It eclipses the problem. Does that make sense? So that was step number two. So then as we keep going with this, now we learn, okay, I'm in, I'm standing, I'm walking, I'm living by faith. I need to maintain a pure heart. Right? So I'm always guarding my heart. I'm always making sure. Okay, and the Holy Spirit's helping me. I'm staying living out of my spirit. I'm not living out of my flesh. I'm not, I'm not looking at natural things. I'm living out of my spirit. I'm looking with the eyes of my spirit at the word of God, fixing my eyes on Jesus. And I'm always asking myself, am I in the love walk? Am I walking in the love of God? And, and there's things that I know. If, I, if I'm starting to get bummed out, well, I know I can't be bummed out about anything if I'm walking in the love of God because the love of God doesn't, cons I don't consider myself. So I, I don't beat myself up. I'm like, okay, what do I start doing? I get words from God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me that I'm called his very child. I mean, think about that. You know, and I start to... I start to quote 1 John chapter 4. Oh, Father, I thank you that I've known and believed the love that you have for me. And I love you because you first loved me. And I harbor no unforgiveness in my heart towards any person. I forgive everyone who's ever wronged me in any way. So I maintain a pure heart. So we talked about these three things. The fourth thing we started talking about last week is now I have to resist the twins. What are the twins' names? Doubt and fear. 
You never see fear without doubt. You never see doubt without fear. It's all, they're always a pair. They're not internal, even though it feels internal. They're all external. They're, 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 they're spirit, spiritual forces, and we don't allow them in our life because they're not from God. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, right? So then we go to Mark chapter 11, talking about resisting doubt and fear. I want to get more into that tonight. Mark chapter 11, in verse 22, Jesus tells them to have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And now he is going to tell them how they can operate in the God kind of faith. And he says this in verse 23. He says, for verily, most assuredly, I say to you, Right? Look at this now. Most assuredly, I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. So I have a mountain in my life. It's stopping me. It might be a mountain of symptoms of sickness. It might be a mountain of debt. Whatever it is that's trying to stop you. It might be a mountain of just anxiety. A mountain, whatever it is. A mountain of people speaking bad against me and trying to ruin my reputation or whatever it is. I say to this mountain, look at this, that whosoever, now this is how the God kind of faith works, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and then here it is, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, God, the God of the universe says, he shall have whatsoever he says. The disclaimer is not doubting in your heart. And that's what Satan tries to get you to do, to let go of the word of God and go, man, well, this must not be working. I've been believing God for a month and it's getting worse. What does that have to do with what God said? Does that make sense? So that's, this is what we're talking about tonight. How do I deal with doubt? How do I make sure that I never doubt? Do you know doubt and fear should get so foreign to you that if they ever even start to get close to you, you're like, oh, right? Because you live so free from it, right? I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be for us as believers, he goes on to say, he's talking about how the God kind of faith operates in prayer. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So you have to believe that you receive when you pray. And if you want to have what you're saying, you can't doubt in your heart. So does that make sense? We talked a lot about that. Spiritual warfare is in your mind. Spiritual warfare, everything has to do with thoughts. Maintaining a proper thought life. That's where it all starts. Because if you think wrong, you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you're going to speak wrong and act wrong. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a wrong result. But you never have to get a wrong result again. We deal with the three levels of this spiritual warfare in our mind. We've talked about this before. Satan will throw thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. 
He's trying to get you to take the thought. And you take a thought by speaking it. He's, he's throwing thoughts. He's throwing thoughts. Man, you know, so Jake's in college and you're not going to get that internship you really want. Or you're not, you know, this is a tough test, man. You've been struggling. You're not going to do good on this test. When the word of God says, no, I've made you of quick learning. I will bring everything to your remembrance. Right? You can do all things. And, and you could have what you say. So what, as far as the test is concerned, who's in control in this accounting class? Jake is. Because he has authority. And also, the God of heaven says, listen, you follow me. And I'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only, not beneath. But there's thoughts that start throwing. And so if Jake doesn't go, no, I am going to do this. I can do all things through Christ. I'm of quick learning. And I start speaking the word of God. I take these thoughts captive with the revelation knowledge of the word of God that I have. But if he doesn't do that and he starts going, Think about what you say. You hear this stuff. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. This is not going to happen. So Jake doesn't take these thoughts by speaking them. But if he does, what's going to happen now is there's going to be, pretty soon if he's speaking them, now because the power of death is, and life is in his tongue and it's in the direction, it'll start turning his life in that direction. He'll start, he'll start seeing himself not do good on the test. All of a sudden, we go to that second level of spiritual attack in the mind. It's your imagination. Satan wants to capture your imagination because if he does, he can control your destiny. Because your imagination, if he can build a vain imagination, what is that? That is a picture of your life being lived outside of the realm of what God says. Then what happens now these little principalities and powers that are against you are excited because now you're speaking death and now you're seeing death on the inside of you. So now what happens out of your imagination comes all of your behavior. So now you start acting this out. Every time you're studying, I feel like I can't concentrate, right? Or I'm falling asleep. Whatever it is, things will start happening your behavior will start following your imagination. And then what will happen is now the principalities and powers that are set against you, they're going, okay, great. So now we got behavior moving in the wrong way. So now let's use the world system to keep this going. So pretty soon, oh my gosh, not only in this accounting class, but I'm also got this statistics class that I'm really not doing good in. And pretty soon these thoughts... Weird thoughts start coming like, you know, you're really not that bright. And if, and if you keep entertaining them, you'll be out of school. Because what will happen is now you'll, you'll, be, you'll be taking other thoughts and this and that, worrying about this, doing this, and pretty soon a stronghold will be built by you in your mind that I can't be successful at school or I can't be healed, or I will never be able to lose weight, or my blood sugar will never be able to be in the proper range, or my cholesterol, or whatever. 
You know, well, you know, I mean, my great-grandfather had this, and my grandfather had this, and my dad had it, so even though the Word of God says you're redeemed from the curse of the law, which is genetic disorders passed down, it specifically lists them. So do you see that? There's thoughts, there's imaginations, there's strongholds. Receiving thoughts of doubt... How you receive them is by speaking them is like canceling your order or refusing delivery. I wonder how many times the angels of God are like right there. They're just like, oh man, here it is. It's about to manifest and we start talking stupid. And it's, it's like what we're saying is, Man, I know God's a healer, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's not going to heal me. They're just like, and even though it's mine, they can't manifest it because they would have to violate my will to do it because I don't believe it. But that's not who we are. We're believers, aren't we? I'm telling you, your greater days are ahead of you. Look to the Word of God, see how Jesus lived, see what the Word of God says, and refuse to take any less. This is getting so big and strong in me, I'm just, man, it's, it's real. Either Jesus did what he said he did when he was on that cross, or it's all a lie. And then what are we doing? But we've got multitudes of believers that are not believing. That are, that are buying the lies of the enemy. They're buying what they see instead of buying what God said. But that's all changing because my God said the glory of the Lord will cover the seas. God said as truly as I live, my glory is going to cover this earth like the waters cover the seas and nothing's going to stop it. And we get to be part of that. Our warfare is to stand against the wrong thoughts that Satan throws against us, and all of these wrong thoughts are dripping with the twins. Doubt and fear, right? Doubt and fear. Satan brings thoughts of doubt to challenge and to question what you believed you've received when you prayed the prayer of faith. It's what he does. No more. We're talking about how to stand effectively and keep doubt and fear out of our life. I mean, they say the greatest fear, the ultimate fear is the fear of death. Okay, whatever. See, we don't fear death. Jesus tasted death. Actually, none of us will ever taste death. Jesus tasted spiritual death for us. We will never. Think about that. You will never be separated from the Father, ever. To be honest with you, when your spirit steps out of your body at physical death, when it separates from your physical body, it doesn't say, all right, bye. No, it says to your body, see you later. But that's the most exhilarating feeling you'll ever feel. You're in the presence of God. Think of those that have gone before us. Tonight, man, they're they're experiencing face-to-face fullness of joy. 
But you know, we're experiencing face-to-face fullness of joy. We're just a little veiled with our flesh. That's it. But I don't know about you, but, but living my life on this earth, seeing through that veil, it gets real good. It gets real good. When I see Jesus, I'm going to go, wow, Master. I've seen that look on your face. You know, I didn't see it face-to-face, but I, I saw it face-to-face. Right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, talking about the weapons of our warfare. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. See, you can't win a spiritual battle with natural weapons. So I don't try to win my battles naturally. Well, I just got to do more. I got to pray more. No, no, no. I only work out what he's working in, and I use spiritual weapons. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not fleshly, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons are mighty through God. Well, what is the weapon? It's revelation knowledge of his word that goes off in my heart and affects and renews and renovates my thinking so it never departs out of my mouth. It'll take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It'll pull every stronghold down. I'm, I'm, here I am in a prison. I can't break out. Nobody can break in. And then all of a sudden, I'm in worship. I'm sitting in church. I'm driving down the street. And light comes out of the word of God. And I see it. And I go, I'm healed. And the stronghold of I'll always be sick falls. The stronghold of I'll never amount to anything. I'm stupid. I'm this or I'm that. It all crumbles in the face of revelation knowledge of God's word. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. They're not mighty without God. They're mighty through him. For the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. See what this is saying. Jesus stripped Satan. Satan has no grip. He's just trying to get you to keep your mouth shut or talk stupid. But we don't do that. Right? Jesus said, it is finished, and then he sat down. And now our walk of faith is a rest. We don't look at what's possible with us. We look at what's possible with him. When I face a battle, when I face a mountain, I don't compare it to me because I'm not walking by sight. I compare it to him because I'm walking by faith. And there is not a mountain that I could ever face. I mean, there's stories in the Bible. Okay, so... You know, you would think it's over when somebody dies. Shunammite lady, it's over. Your son is dead. Go to the prophet. Prophet says, hey, go, go ask, go, tells his associate, go ask the Shunammite lady, how's your husband? How's your child and how are you? Is all well with you guys? She's got a dead son laying on a bed at her house and she responds, all's well. All's well. Faith. She was fully persuaded. She didn't tell the servants, go bury the boy. She said, go lay him on the prophet's bed. That boy's not staying dead. I am not allowing it. Don't allow debt. Don't allow cancer. 
Don't allow sickness and disease. Well, yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I've messed up so much. Okay. So what does that have to do with it? Anything. Jesus paid for your mess. And it wasn't a small payment. It was a big payment. For the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination. See, you rise up with the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. And if there's a vain imagination, I cast it down. I don't believe that I'm stupid. I believe I can do all things through Christ. I don't believe I'm weak. I believe I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right? I don't believe I don't know what to do. I know his voice and Jesus has made wisdom to me. So the word is going to show me what I need to do, what I need to know. If it has to bring people, whatever it is, to find my answer. But I'll get my answer. And when people look at me, they'll sit there and go, wow, that guy, that, that's beyond who he is. And then we smile and look at him and go, you're right. Can't take any of the credit for it. It's all Jesus, and guess what? It's for you too. And that, my friend, is the gospel. Not turn or burn. What does that mean to a spiritually dead person? Makes them mad. Right? Let's, let's go to a football game and hold up John 3.16. Well, that doesn't mean anything. What, what's John 3.16? I mean, people, I, I go to restaurants. I get out of my car. And people come up to me and go, I had two guys come up to me not long ago, and they're like, what's 3 John 2? And I'm like, oh, man, it's awesome. It's, it's the Bible. Oh. <laughs> I go, it says that, gosh, beloved, I pray above all things that you'd prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God wants to prosper you on his level. The Bible says that? right? John 3.16 doesn't mean anybody mean anything to anybody that's spiritually dead. Now, when I was growing up, maybe because a, a lot more people were in church, but now we're dealing with generations of people where the parents never were in church. Kids know nothing about Jesus. Never heard the name of Jesus living in America. Imagine that. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You can literally take revelation knowledge of the word of God and get rid of all this, this stinking thinking, this demonic thinking, this death thinking. You take care of it with your weapon. The weapon is that revelation knowledge. This is why I, I, I live and move and have my being in him. Well, who is he? The word. For it's in the word that I live. It's in the word that I move. It's in the word that I have my very being. Or in other words, I know and define my identity by the word. I live. My lifestyle is based on the word. Right? I move. Everything I do, I do in him. I love that. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Here we go again. Spiritual warfare is in your mind. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In the Greek language, it literally means to make your mind listen. Revelation knowledge of God's word going off in your heart will make your mind listen to the word of God. I make my mind listen to the word 
all day, every day with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's like I grab it. You know, sometimes, have you ever with little kids, when they're kind of freaking out, you just kind of have to take their head and go look at me, right? Calm down, and then you talk to them, and they're like, that's what the Holy Spirit will do, right? That's what I, the spirit man, do with my mind. Okay, Tony, today we're going to start renovating this area. The body starts, you know, you start casting down stuff and your flesh is going, what in the world? I don't like this. And you're like, be quiet, right? Because we're doing this. This is how you grow spiritually. Guys, this is how you keep doubt and fear out of your life. We got people walking around the church and they, they think because they drive a nice car, or they, they, can, they can quote a couple scriptures that they're spiritual. You know, I'm a man of God. I want you to treat me like a man of God. Oh, you little baby. Let me go get you a pacifier so we don't have to listen to that nonsense. Because what you're saying, you don't even believe. Because when you are a spiritual giant, you have disappeared and it's all him. And you're just like, this is a great ride. Right? Because why? Because I've been created to live and move and breathe in unity with him. So you're just not about yourself. You don't ever have to promote yourself because he promotes you. You don't ever have to defend yourself because he defends you. Right? You don't ever have to worry about, you have no rival. You know, we sang it tonight, Jesus has no rival. Guess what? You have no rival. Because you're in him. Isn't that good? Doubt and fear are not your rival. That person who's going against you for a promotion, pray for them. They can't stop you from rising to the top. Only you can stop you. Satan can't stop you. Isn't that good news? Wow. Spiritual warfare, it's in the mind. Re receiving these thoughts of doubt should sound like a scratching chalkboard to you. Anything that's not the word, you're just going, whoa, get this out of my life. So you know this. We've said this a few times. I think this is probably the 10th time. Well, actually, this is the 13th message. So this is probably the 20th time I've said this. The biggest battle in your mind is against the doubts and the fears that try to tell you that God's word will not work this time. You have this diagnosis, and you know this has been going on now for 10 or 15 or 20 years, and now the diagnosis is getting more serious, and now they're telling you, man, this is getting bad to the point, you're at the point of no return now. And you've been going to that church, and you've been speaking the word of God, and instead of going to the Holy Spirit going, okay, 10 or 20 years, that's not your plan of divine healing, so, so where have I missed it? But you're not in fear because we have stories where the person's at the point of death and everything's okay, right? Here you are, Jay Iris, and your daughter's at the point of death and then she dies. It's still not over. Isn't that good news? It's not over. So these thoughts are governed again 
by observation, by what you're observing. What are you observing? Because we got these big screens that we could observe some stupid things. And we have small screens too that we could observe stupid things all day long and never get in the Word. And wonder why we don't have God working in our life, right? So observations, also associations. Your thought life is based on who you're associating with. So be real careful. The Word is very clear. The God of all creation says if you walk, stand, or sit in the seat of sinners, the ungodly, or the scornful, it's impossible for you to prosper in God. So associations. And then teaching. you got to be real careful what you sit under with teaching. Listen, if I ever start talking to you, well, in my opinion this, and my opinion that, just say, Pastor, I love you. Uh, I'll see you later. Where are you going? Well, I'm going somewhere that preaches the word. I don't know where I'm going, but I just got to go somewhere. Because you gotta, you have to sit under the word of God that is ministered in a way under the anointing. So that means the Holy Spirit has to be allowed to move, which he will always create an environment of the love of God. So you, you gotta be in that environment. That's where you're gonna grow and get nurtured. This is so big. Because Satan's always trying to plant and nurture wrong thoughts. So you want to be in a place with your, what you're observing, with your associations, and with the teaching that you listen to and sit under. You want all of that to be creating an environment for you to walk and live by faith. Does that make sense? So that you can take thoughts captive. God has a life for you. But you choose. He already chose you. But you have to choose to come to the knowledge of the truth. He won't make you. So this is huge. This is huge. If Satan controls the mind, then he has control of your emotions. And now he can drive you in any direction that he wants. So we can't let him do that. Your emotions are meant to motivate you to do the will of God. But if they get twisted and he's in control, they are a horrible guide. At 3 o'clock, you'll think you're supposed to move here. At 4 o'clock, you think you're supposed to work there. At 5 o'clock, you're going to say, oh, maybe I'm supposed to do this. Pretty soon, you'll get so confused that you won't know what's going on. Emotions are never to lead and guide you. Satan always drops thoughts from the outside, but God always speaks to our heart from the inside, right? And as you fellowship with God, as through meditating in the word of God, what happens now is you're able to discern right thoughts from wrong thoughts. Because it's not just black and white, guys. You'll, I can't tell you how, for 30 years I've seen this. Person comes, they start growing, their life's changing, and instantly, oh, this opportunity, I've got to go over here. And then you see their life fall apart. Right? I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Or I've got, I've got to do this in the ministry, or I've got to do that, and oh, I've got to go over here because, gosh, that's so cool. And be careful. How do you figure it out? Just meditate in the Word. And this is why nobody can tell you what to do. Come to me. Pastor, what do you think I should do? Meditate in the Word. 
Think I should marry this person? I think you should meditate in the word. Right? Well, what you, why are you saying that? Is it the wrong person? I, I don't know. Right? Meditate in the word and you'll find out. You meditate in the word long enough, you'll either be like, man, I just got to be with this guy. Or I just got to get away from this guy. Right? That's the way it is. But we're always led in peace. Here's when deception happens, when a person believes the devil's lies. That's when deception happens. And the key to winning this faith battle is always controlling your thought life. Always. And nobody can do it for you. Oh, pastor, pray for me that I control my thought life. I, I, could, I could pray for you, prayers of supplication as the Holy Spirit leads me, that you will choose to make the right decision, but God's not going to just come in and force you to think right. He won't do that, right? See, this no-fault religion that we live in is a bunch of nonsense. If we're not walking in victory, guess what? It's not the devil's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. But the good news about that is I can change that tonight, right? Because the creator of the universe who holds everything together is saying, hey, get back on the path and I'll, I'll take you to places. I'll, I'll fix up, I'll fix the mess. Forget about that. Let's go. Because man, you have no idea who you are in me, but I'll show you and we're going to do some great things in the earth, right? Yeah, but what about all that? Don't worry about that. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor, I've made so many mistakes. That is nothing compared to what Jesus did when he said it was finished. When he said it was finished, all your past failures, guess what? They were all finished. Done. Never to be brought up again. Isn't that good news? So let's, let's do this. Go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Now, you know this story. So here's this generation. God says, I've given you this promised land. So they come up to it two and a half years after leaving Egypt. They really camped for about two years. They ran around for six months. All this stuff happened. It, was, it should have been an 11-day journey. But now they're at the promised land. Moses is going to send 12 spies to go spy out the land, to not, not to talk about anything else but how we should take it, not if we should. So this is a story because 10 spies came back with 10 excuses why we can't have what God says he's already given us, and God called that an evil report. What did that mean in their life? The children of Israel were in the wilderness one year for every day that they spied out the land. Yuck, right? So let's look at this. Verse 27, and they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey. Surprise, surprise, like God doesn't know, right? And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, though, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and they're very great. Right? You could just see Joshua and Caleb. Well, God's been telling us that forever. What, what does that have to do with anything? Nevertheless, these, the people be strong. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, man, we saw the children of Anak. That eight-year-old was 12 foot tall. Right? 
No, we saw the children of Anak there. Surely we can't have what God said. Verse 29, he goes into all the ites, right? And then verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. God wants you. Faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. Don't think you're going to just get that stuff out of your body or out of your life tomorrow. Get it out now. Say no more. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not putting up with this pain. I'm tired of this medication. I believe I received my healing. And now every time you take the medication, Father, I thank you I'm healed. Every time you go to the doctor, he says, hey, looks like it's getting a little worse. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. You turn around, you walk away. Father, I thank you I'm healed. Satan, I bind you. Body, come in line. I'm going to slap you, silly. I am not allowing this in my body. I'm not allowing, you get bills in the mail. You know, you, a creditor calls. You don't let your wife take the call. You take the call. Be a man, right? You take the call. You don't even take it in front of your wife. Honey, excuse me. You walk in the, in the garage. Yes, yes, I, I will pay this. When? You know, you know if you send $400,000 in in the next three minutes, then we'll, we'll forgive you the other $600,000. Well, I, I'm sorry, sir, I couldn't make that $25 payment. So how am I going to, right? If you've ever dealt with a creditor, you just tell them, I'll pay it when. I don't know, but I'll let you know as soon as I can. Okay, thank you. I'm, I apologize. Click. Father, I call, that, I call that bill paid. I thank you that the angels are getting it. Now you tell me what I need to do. Do I need to get a second job? Do I need to sell my car? Well, I don't care. I just, I want to walk in the blessing of God because I know I am blessed. That's what we do. I'm, I'm willing. I'm obedient. I will eat the good of the land. Depression, you got to go. I'm not putting up with this. Fear, terror, get out of my house, get out of my life. Right? This is how we live. This is what we're talking about. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Why? Because God already said he gave it to us. And he said when we go in, the battle would be his, the victory would be ours. It's our land. Right? But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than us. See, when you walk by, by sight, we, I can't overcome this because this thing's bigger than me. Who cares? Satan will tell you this is bigger than you. Has Satan ever came to you and said, Leanne, this is not working out because this is bigger than God. He never says that. He always talks and says, it's bigger than you because you're this and you're that and you're this, right? And you need to stop him and say, shut up. And get out. Right? Little demon, I don't know what your name is. I don't care. Get out. In Jesus' name. You're, bo you're bound. The word's true. It's settled in heaven. You can't stop it. The victory is already mine. That sounds like foolishness to a class of people who don't believe. But if you know the word of God, that's, that's oh man, that's, what, that's, that's life. That's reality. The, the word of God is true. Right? So it says here, and they brought up, verse 32, an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, they brought up an evil report of the land, saying, they brought up an evil report of the land, saying, 
Job said, I will bridle my tongue in the presence of my enemy. I could be thinking it, I could be feeling it, but I am not speaking it if it's not God's word. Right? Saying, that's, this is the evil report saying is the key here. And then it says, the land through which we have gone to search it. It's a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were, look at this, first of all, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. When you walk by sight, you get a wrong perception of who you are and you get a wrong perception of what you're facing because we learn, if you go to Joshua chapter 8, 40 years later, when Josh sends in two spies, he doesn't send in 12 this time, and I'm sure he had a nice little talk with them, with Caleb, his buddy, right there, and said, now let me make myself clear. If you even start to even insinuate or look like you're going to say we can't have the land, because I'm not sending in you in there to tell me if we can or can't have the land. God already told me we can have the land. Your head will just, you'll be dizzy because your head will just be rolling. You won't even know what hits you. Because when you, when you start talking, we're going to have two of the most intense of my military right next to you with swords drawn, just smiling. And if you go the wrong way, we're not, because Caleb and I, we're not, we're not giving up 40 more years with you idiots, right? I mean, I'm just reading behind the lines and making a little fun here, but I got to tell you, if I was Joshua, I'd be like, listen, dude, I'm calling you to do this. We're gonna, we're, you're going to bring back and tell me what's the best way to go, not if we can have it or not, Right? We learn in Joshua chapter 8 that Rahab said, listen, when you guys 40 years ago came out of Egypt and we heard that your God parted the Red Sea and then drowned the most powerful army on the earth, our hearts melted and we were grasshoppers in your sight. And we've been scared to death for 40 years and when we saw this mass of you come again we couldn't figure out why 40 years ago we were so afraid we're sitting there because I mean I've been there Jericho and then like a mile and a half maybe two miles is the Jordan River where they would have came down and crossed two to three million people sitting there people are on this hundred foot wall at Jericho going oh good feeling gone they're here they're here, we're, we're history. Their God parted the Red Sea. He could make these walls disappear. What are we going to do? They're freaked out. And then all of a sudden one day, the whole city's rejoicing. We have no idea why, but they just turned around and left. Why is this story in the Bible? Because Satan and his satanic hierarchy, they saw 
2,000 years ago, what happened? And their heart melted. And they can't figure out why you're not dominating them. They're like, this person who has access to the armor of God who's in Christ, I could throw a thought and he could talk stupid? This is awesome. I sure hope he never wakes up. I sure hope she never wakes up. This is the way it is, guys. They are as grasshoppers in your sight. People will read with this wrong mentality and go, when the, spirit, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a little standard against him. No, that is not the way it's read. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Holy Spirit raises up a standard. Listen, you are in the greater one. The greater one is in you. And all this stuff that's against you is nothing. Cancer can kill my physical body, but I have authority over cancer because Jesus gave it to me. And now, if I speak it, the power of God will come on the scene. Jesus will watch over his word and he will perform it because it's already done. See, this story is written for, it hasn't been 40 years, now it's 2,000 years. Satan's going, I know, man, I got all hell needs to break loose in the earth because my time is running short. My earth lease is almost up. And man, I, you know, we got to just, we got to do everything we can right now. I hope they don't wake up. And he remembers when God said in Numbers 13, or it was a 1428, as truly as I live, my glory is going to cover this earth like the waters cover the seas. Right? You don't think those little principalities and powers were there when John gave that book of Revelation, was given that vision? They know. They look at you and they hope you never, they hope you give your life to video games and YouTube videos and, and all this stuff and, and, and sit there and listen to the world and, and think, well, you know, it, I, I, gotta, it's, I wanna do this, so in order to become this level, I gotta work for 30 years. I they're going, I hope they just get so steeped in this world thinking that they never wake up and realize that they've been given dominion in the earth. Do you know God said, to Adam and Eve, that he gave them dominion over everything he created? Do you know what he created on day four of creation? Time. This will tilt you. How long does it take to siege a city? Two to three years. The children of Israel sieged the most powerful city in the promised land, doing what God told them to do, this is how you normally siege a city. Try to stop the water supply. You, you're all around the city. Two, three years, pretty soon, man, they're eating each other. You know, they're, they're, and then pretty soon they give up. No, God says, listen, I want you to go for a walk every day for seven days. And then just the seventh day, you'll be so excited, I want you to walk around it seven times. And then at the end, I want you, you know, all the, all the priests, whoever it is, with big mouths, you blow these shofars, and you always all yell. And, and I'll do the rest. Could you imagine they're walking around, the trumpets blow, and all of a sudden, this 100-foot wall, 50 feet deep, the ground opens up, and the walls go, 
to ground level. And they're looking at all these people that have been scared to death for 40 years. Their eyes are this big. Right? That's what happened. They went, and there's one house right there with a little piece of scarlet thread because it's Jesus. And these soldiers went in and opened the door. Uh, Miss Rahab and your family, come on with us. We have, we have a nice meal for you. Uh, we have safety for you. We, you have an inheritance. You have everything because you helped us. That's, this is the reality of our life. Isn't this good news? See, God, he's already fought all your battles. Poverty and lack, sickness and disease. Here's the big one, spiritual death. The biggest miracle that will ever happen to you, you've already believed you've received. Isn't that good news? Well, my goodness. I, I got through five pages of notes. That's the good news. The bad news is I was going to finish this part tonight because I have 16 pages of notes, but we will go through it. Because i got to tell you, and I'll give you a little picture, Thanksgiving, you're going to find out, is the key to walking free from, from doubt and from fear. You live a life. Don't worry about anything, the Bible says, Philippians, but pray about everything as you're stirred by my spirit. But it's all with thanksgiving. Why? Because it's already given to me. Thanksgiving, where, where you give yourself. Let me just read a couple things about thanksgiving, then I'll let you go. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. But if you don't cast your burden, he can't sustain you. Then he says this, he shall never suffer. That means he'll never allow the righteous to be moved. Now get this. The God of heaven says, I, you cast your burden upon me and I'll sustain you and I'll never ever allow you as the righteous one to be moved. Do you know the only one? Because when people read that, they go, well, you know, if I'm right, I've been, I'm righteous, but I moved all over the place. Yeah, because you're allowing it. But if you decide to not allow it, God won't allow it. Because God's got to allow what you allow because he can't violate your will. Right? Thanksgiving keeps me in overflow. Thanksgiving keeps me free from fear and doubt. See, to operate in overflow, you've heard this. All ministry, all life comes out of the overflow of my personal walk with the Lord. Well, to, to operate in overflow, your eyes have to be focused on your God and not your problem. So why thanksgiving is the key because it takes your focus off you and puts it on him. Right? Thanksgiving gets your attention off the problem. Thanksgiving keeps things in proper perspective. You're defeated. You have to leave. I'm not movable. Proper perspective. What is Thanksgiving? It's expressing gratitude to God. Did you see what happened in this place tonight? You guys came 
This was, not, this was not conjured up. That wasn't emotion. That was a bunch of people who opened their hearts. It keeps you in overflow. You don't have to just do it here. Do it always. Thanksgiving is making yourself available to Him. Thanksgiving is putting yourself in remembrance to all that God has done for you. Right? If you are not hearing, meditating, and doing God's word, you won't perceive that you have very much to be thankful for. But oh, if you'll, med- if you'll hear the word of God, if you'll meditate in it, if you'll be a doer of it and continue in it, you will not ever be able to stop thanking him. Don't tell God how big your mountain is anymore. You tell your mountain how big your God is. That's how we live. Amen.